Sometimes I disappoint myself. That's how John Ortberg begins one of his books. And I can understand what he's talking about. That sometimes I want to live a different kind of life. I want to live a different sort of way. And then I find I don't do it. I come home at the end of the day. And I think, oh, I'm going to do these things with my children. And then I get tired and I say, no, I'm not up to that right now. Find myself maybe losing my temper a little bit over things that are really small and inconsequential. Maybe you've experienced that too. Maybe not those same things, but maybe you've found those moments when you feel like you're disappointed with yourself. Maybe you're not as far along as you'd hoped you would be. That there's these habits, these patterns of living that you've been wanting and seeking to change, and they're not. And then what's even harder is sometimes you feel like, I've been studying the Bible for years, and I know all the right things to do, but it's still not happening. You ever felt that way? Like, you know what the right thing is to do. You want to do, do the right thing. You even choose to do the right thing, but then you fail at it. And so we've been start, we just started last week a series looking at what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is a follower of Jesus, and a follower of Jesus is someone who seeks to live their life and model their life, to pattern their life after Jesus. In the words I used last week, to live your life as Jesus would live it if he were you. And so living a life that follows Jesus is one that does the will of God. But we struggle in that. We struggle doing what God wants us to do. And so part of the problem, I think, is we fail to recognize how to do that. We fail to recognize that what we need is inner transformation. Sometimes we focus so much on doing the outside things. We focus so much on on doing the right thing that we forget that what we need is a change on the inside. And I touched on that a little bit last week, but I want us to dig a little bit deeper today to recognize that what we really need when it comes to following Jesus is an inner transformation, a renovation of the heart. And so when I talk about the heart and when the Bible talks about our heart, it's not just talking about we use heart and we usually talk about feelings. But in the Bible, the heart is the center of our being. It's the thing that controls everything. It's what directs us. So to live a life like Jesus requires transformation. And so one way, one author puts it this way, he says, the problem when we want to do those things and we don't do it is, the problem is what's going on is that our heart leaks. And what he means by that is that inside of us, we have developed patterns. We've developed ways of thinking. We've developed ideas. We've developed habits. And those are all inside us. And while we want to do something on the outside, what happens is what's on the inside kind of leaks out. And so there's this battle going on. And so if we really truly want to change, what we need is a change on the inside. We need to change the control system, what's directing us. Because the truth is, sometimes we can, by sheer force of will, do, do the right thing on the outside. We can come to that moment where we're dealing with someone who's difficult and challenging, our neighbor who continues to annoy us, and we can come to that one moment where we can say, oh, okay, I'm going to be nice to them today. 
Maybe I'll even grit my teeth and pray for them. But what Jesus calls for is not that time where we're gritting our teeth and we're doing it, but where we're actually not simply doing it, but we're doing it with joy. And where it's the natural response, where what comes out of us, the first response isn't, oh, I'm so mad, but the first response is a response of blessing, a response of empathy, a response of compassion. Think of the story we did with the kids and Jesus looked out at the crowd and he saw them in some of the passages. It talks about Jesus looked on them with a heart of compassion. And I don't imagine Jesus looked and said, okay, God said I have compassion, so I'm going to do it today. But instead, what happened was it was a part of who he was. It was his natural response. And so we're talking about interior transformation. And this has always been God's plan. So we read a passage from the book of Jeremiah. This prophet, hundreds of years before Jesus. I want you to hear again what he said. The days are coming when I will make a new covenant. When the people of Israel, when God's people and the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. And what kind of covenant was that? The covenant when God brought his people out of Egypt, he gave them a covenant, and that covenant included a set of laws. This set of stone tablets said that this is what you will do. This conformity. He says it's going to be different. And he says they broke that covenant. But this is the covenant I will make. So this new covenant will be this. I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their hearts. In other words, it's not simply going to be this external law that we're seeking to obey. But the law will be written on our hearts where we will naturally do it. So we're not looking and saying, oh, there's what I'm supposed to do. But instead, it's on the inside and we're living out of that. The same was in this passage from Romans. And there's all kinds of things going on there. But it is that one line, it says that we might be, um, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image or to the likeness of his son. In other words, part of God's plan is that we're formed into the image of Jesus, that we look like Jesus. One more um, that we didn't read from Ezekiel chapter 36. And again, this picture of the new covenant. I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is Ezekiel 36, beginning at verse 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. And then listen again. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So outside of Jerusalem, Jerusalem sits up on a hill. And along the road to Jerusalem is this rocky road that comes up. And I had the privilege of visiting Israel a number of years ago. And one of the tour guides was talking and he said, what the Jews see that as is, as they're coming to Jerusalem, those rocks are a picture of these hearts of stone. Where God has taken out the hearts of stone and given them a heart of flesh. And that's God's desire for us, is to remove our hearts of stone. Our hearts that don't want to do what God wants to do. Our hearts that fail to love God. Our hearts that fail to love our neighbor. And put on us a heart of flesh. A heart that does what God wants us to do. So... The bigger question is, how does this happen? How is it that we can sit in church 
for year after year? How is it that we can do Bible study after Bible study, read all kinds of books, and still not be the person that God calls us to be? Dallas Willard, who I mentioned last week, talks about that. He says, to think that we can transform, to think that we can change by simply knowing more is just magical thinking. To think that, well, if I, just, if I just knew a little bit more, if I just knew my Bible a little bit more, the problem for most of us isn't knowing what the Bible says. It's doing it. And so how do we begin to do it? And we recognize that, what's it said here? Who's the one doing the work in all these? It's God. God is the one who, what, takes out their heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh. God is the one who writes it on our hearts. God is the one who predestines us to be conformed. In other words, God is the one who's doing the part work. So what do, what's the part we play? What is the part that we play? Are we anything or do we just kind of sit back and hope that God fixes us? What we do is we open ourselves up to the work of the Spirit. And we do this through something called spiritual disciplines. And a spiritual discipline is something we can do on our own in order to do that which we can't do on our own. Something we can do, something we have the ability to do in order to open us up to something we can't do on our own. We can't change our heart, but we can do things like read our Bible, like pray to open ourselves up. Or one other writer describes it this way. It's an action done in the body to open the heart to the spirit. An action done in the body to open the heart to the spirit. So spiritual disciplines, this whole theme, this whole topic of spiritual disciplines is huge. We're just going to kind of skim the surface of it. But I want to say a couple of things, first of all, before we're, we're going to jump into, we're going to talk a little bit about how we do spiritual disciplines, and then a little bit about maybe just some examples of those. And so one of the things is spiritual disciplines aren't the way we fix ourselves. These aren't DIY projects. This is, again... It's a way we present ourselves to God because God is the one who not only saves us, but the one who transforms us. And we have to remember again, grace is from beginning to end. But I like the way one writer put it. He says, grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, but opposed to earning. Paul talks about this all the time, about the need to do it. So even in, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 7 and 8, he says, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Paul, the one who talks about grace again and again, he says, it's necessary to train ourselves. And that's what we're doing with the spiritual discipline, is we're training ourselves, we're opening ourselves up. So sometimes there's this long list of spiritual disciplines. And there are some that are kind of core disciplines or rhythms, like reading our Bible and praying and reflecting on our lives. But I want us to think back on this idea of training. And I want you to imagine yourself the last time you wanted to learn how to do something. Maybe you wanted to learn a new language. Maybe you wanted to develop a skill in a sport. Maybe you wanted to learn how to do a craft. You wanted to learn a dance move. Well, if you want to learn how to dance, do you go to the wood shop? I mean, if you weren't learn, want to learn how to fish, do you go to the crafting section? No, you go and you train specifically for that. And so when we're talking, sometimes there are these, like I said, these core rhythms we do, that every follower of Jesus should be reading their Bible, every follower of Jesus should be praying, every 
follower of Jesus should be reflecting on their lives. But there are also times when we look and we say, here's this issue that I'm struggling with. And sometimes we want to practice specifically. We want to open ourselves up to that. So the first step is to begin with an examination of our life. To say, what are the habits in my life? What are the patterns that need to change? What things are happening that keep me from loving my God and loving my neighbor? Maybe there's a command you're struggling to obey. You're struggling to love your enemy. Maybe there's a vice, something that's putting you down that you need to put off, that you need to get rid of. It could be jealousy or selfish ambition or envy. Maybe there's a virtue you need to put on, like joy or peace or patience. Maybe there's a reality that you need to experience. Maybe you just need to know deeper inside of you that you are in Christ or that you are forgiven. So the first step is to step back and say, God, help me examine my life What's going on and what are the things that need to change so I look a little more like Jesus? And then recognize that good intention alone won't do it. Just wanting it won't do it, but we have to do something. And then you ask, what kind of person must I become to live out this command from the heart by the Spirit? And so what we want to do is move away from how do I obey that command to what kind of person I need to be. So what are the root causes going on inside of me? What's going on deep inside of me? When I have these responses, when I lose my patience, when I spend too much time on the internet, when I spend too much money on clothing, what are the root causes? What's going on deep inside of me that's causing to do that? So the question is, what kind of person do I need to be? What heart changes? And so again, we ask God to help us in this process. So this isn't something where you just sit on your own, but you ask God to help you in the process. Say, God, show me these things. Because the reality is, when we start looking deep inside of ourselves at what's going on, it can be a little scary. It can be a little frightening. And Jeremiah in another place says this. He says, the heart is deceitful. I mean, it's easy to fool ourselves. I mean, we're probably, we may be good at fooling other people. We're probably best at fooling ourselves sometimes. Say, no, I'm really not that kind of person. No, that's really not my issue. That's not what's going on. And so we ask God to help us. And now, having decided what kind of person we do, then we again work with the Spirit to decide what's the pattern, what's the discipline I'm going to give myself to to become that kind of person. So that's kind of the abstract. So we examine our life, we ask what kind of person we need to be, and then we say, what kind of pattern, what kind of rhythm, what kind of discipline do I need to do to become that kind of person? So let's think about that in more concrete, because sometimes we look at that and we say, okay, that sounds good, but I'm going to give, I got about three, four examples here. So imagine someone who finds themselves shopping a lot, obsessed with shopping, with fashion, with grooming, never wanting to go out, And it's beginning to wear on them. And so what they need to do then is say, okay, what's going on inside of me? Why do I have this need to always look perfect? Maybe it's a sense of insecurity. Maybe it's a sense of doing those things. And so one of the disciplines they may take on is saying, I'm not going to wear any jewelry or makeup for the next six weeks. 
And they may also spend some time looking through Scripture and reminding themselves of where God loves them and what God loves them for. And so they're working on that kind of person, but this thing they do in the body is simply not wearing the jewelry, not wearing the makeup as a way to begin to change the way they see themselves and begin to say, I don't need those things anymore. What about someone who struggles because they just have to have the radio on, the television on, something on all the time? There always has to be noise going on, and if you're not, you, you get a little bit worried. Or you just constantly find yourself distracted. You realize that you can't stand in the grocery line for more than a minute without pulling out your phone to look at it. And there's this need to be distracted. And one of the reasons we do that is what people find, and one writer talks about this, he says, the reason sometimes we fill ourselves with exterior noise is we can't deal with what's on the inside. Because what happens is, if we just have noise going on around us all the time, it prevents us from really listening to what's going on inside of us. And so the discipline we may take on is silence. Just being willing to turn off the noise for a little while. To say, I'm going to get in my car and I'm not going to turn the radio on. To say, I'm going to set aside some time at the end of the day where I sit in silence. And we live in a world where it's really hard to be quiet, to be silent, because there's just noise around us all the time. And so we're becoming a person, what kind of person are we longing to be? A person who's comfortable with silence, a person who's willing to do that. Maybe you realize you speak critically about others. You say, man, maybe a friend of yours says to you, you know, I'm not sure I like being around you anymore because every time I'm around you, you're just criticizing people all the time. And so I'm not sure I want to ever leave your side because you might be talking about me. And then you begin to say, okay. You start with that and then you say, what's going on? Why am I doing that? Why do I have this need to constantly be critical? Could it be that inside you have a little bit of insecurity? You don't have a whole lot of confidence in who you are. And so what you do is you seek to bring other people down. Because you feel better about yourself when you bring others down. You focus on their weakness. And so the discipline may be to not say anything negative or critical for a period of time. And maybe work even on starting to affirm people. Look around at those people that you're criticizing all the time and find the things that are good in them and then start to affirm them. And so as we do these things, what are we doing? We're beginning to open ourselves up for God to change and transform our hearts. Maybe you're addicted to hurry or busyness. I mean, I think one of the standard answers that I hear from nearly everyone I talk to these days. How are you doing? I'm just really busy. Why is that? Why are we in such a hurry? One of the spiritual writers said one of the keys to the spiritual life, to growing in Jesus, he said it this way, is to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. To ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so some of it is examining why am I in such a need to be in a hurry all the time? Why do I need to be? Sometimes it's a sense of feeling like I need to be in control. I need to do this thing. 
And so we, again, take on a pattern, take on a habit that begins to what? Grow us in patience. Because part of what it is is a need, can be a need for patience. So what are some things you can do in the body? Because we can't do that on our own. We sometimes think, oh, I'm just going to be more patient. I mean, okay, as a, if you've been a parent or a grandparent or Anna, do you know how that works? I mean, if the child is sitting there and they're like, they're, they're getting really anxious, and you say, be patient, how long does that work for? Two steps, maybe, right? You know, it, just, it doesn't, and it's the same way if we just look at ourselves in the mirror and say, be patient. It's not a, but we need to become patient people. We need to become comfortable people. And so we can do things to open ourselves because God is the only one who can change our heart to make us patient. And so when Paul talks about that again, the letter to the Galatians, when he says the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, this is something that comes from the work of the Spirit, is what love, joy, peace, patience. So what are things we can do to open ourselves up to the work of God to become patient people? might read our scripture, or we might take on another practice to say, I, I just really struggle with being patient. So try this experiment. Next time you're at Meyer, Harding's, Walmart, wherever you go for your grocery, how many of you look for the longest line? We all look for the shortest line. Why? Because we're in a hurry, right? You want to get out of there. Whatever. But what instead if you said, I'm going to go stand in the longest line? And I'm going to use this, I'm going to offer this time to God and say, God, this time is for you. Not a time to look at my phone, not a time to fret, but to begin to practice the patience. When we're, on the, when we're on the road and the person ahead of us is doing 44 in a 45 zone and we're just shaking because we just need to get by him, maybe we just say it's okay. And we stay right there. And say, God, I'm going to use this time, and I'm giving this time to you. I'm opening, I'm doing something in the body to open my heart to the Spirit so that you can change and transform me into a more patient person. So this is what I'm talking about when I talk about spiritual. They can be all sorts of things. Sometimes we think of spiritual discipline as these ethereal, superpower things. Oh, you know, I've got to read 300 pages of my Bible every day. I've got to spend four hours a day in prayer. I've got to do... Those are disciplines of a sort. Going off on a seven-day silent retreat can be a spiritual discipline. But so can taking 10 minutes a day and being silent. So can standing in the line at the grocery store. So can be writing in cards of encouragement to somebody. So many things can be a discipline. What we're doing is, again, saying, God is the one who changes us. What's my part in that is to open myself up to the work of the Spirit. So what I would ask you to do is spend some time this week, examine yourself, say, where am I not looking like Jesus? What are those areas in my life? Say, God, show me those places. Help me examine my life. What are those habits? What are those patterns that need to change? And what might I do to open myself up to the work of your spirit. And sometimes God might surprise you. It might, God might want to work on something. You might think, well, what I really need to work on is this. And God might say to you, no, what we need to work on right now is this other thing. And then to say, okay, God, what, what, 
what habit, what pattern, what is the rhythm that I can take on to give myself to you, to open myself to the work of your spirit. And if you're struggling, feel free to call me, text me, email me, and say, Pastor, be as specific or as vague as you want to be. But to say, here's where I'm at. Or maybe ask, talk to somebody else, but say, what is it? Here's my struggle. You know, I mean, if you, even if you just look at Paul's letter to the Galatians where he talks about these different things. You know, so love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Is there one of those that you're longing to put on? Or is it some of the things that you need to put off? Where it says the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, and the like. Is it one of those that you need to put off? Or is it simply knowing more deeply how much God loves you? Is it a struggle to love someone who's a little bit different? But in the end, we remember this, that God wants to give you a new heart. I mean, God doesn't look down and say, oh. I mean, I started off with what? I'm disappointed in myself sometimes, right? And sometimes our picture of God is God is disappointed too. But what we want to remember is what God longs to do is give us a new heart. That's God's plan. It's God's desire is to give us a new heart. This is the work of Jesus. And so when we celebrate communion in just a few minutes, when Jesus says what? This is the new covenant. And what was the new covenant again? The new covenant was taking out our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. Read that passage from Ezekiel again and think back on the work and the life of Jesus. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Well, Jesus dies. He get, what? We become new creation. And then Jesus, when he ascends back to heaven, what does he do? He sends the spirit. It's Ezekiel being fulfilled. It's being lived out. That God's desire is to give us a new heart, to free us from the power of sin. Jesus' death isn't simply going to the good place. But Jesus' death is also a conquering of the powers of evil. It's setting us free from those sins. And God longs for it. God doesn't look down and say, oh, come on. You got to work a little bit harder. Break free. You can do it. He says, no, I've done it in you. Now I want you to live that life out. And so I'm sending my spirit to you. And I want to work inside and to change and to transform your hearts. God longs to give us a new heart. So may we be people who find ways to open our hearts to the work of the Spirit and be the people that God wants us to be. May we find ways to experience a renovation of the heart, to be changed and be transformed. It's the work of God inside of us. May we become a little more like Jesus as he works inside of us to change and to transform us. Amen.